Hey everybody, how was your Tuesday? Good. <laughs> um, as he just said, if you don't know me, my name is Brock. Um, last week, if you don't remember, um, Tim did an awesome job and he, he taught us about um, how we should pray. Um, tonight, we're going to be going over why we should pray. <clears throat> and I want to point out that, I want to point that out before we get started, just because both of our messages are on prayer, so there's going to be a lot or a little bit of overlap, I don't know. I, I contemplated redoing my notes because there was just a lot of the same stuff that Tim did for me. Um, but I decided not to. I decided to just keep it in there, what I had already done, because the Lord reminded me that, that sometimes when he wants to get your attention, he'll, he'll repeat himself. So, so as we go through our lesson tonight, if, if something sticks out to you that, that you heard last week or, or in your daily read, reading this week, um, just remember that, that might be God trying to get your attention. Um, so if you have your Bible with you, you can open up to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. And, and if you don't have your Bible, most of the verses should be on the screen. And 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 8 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And with that, I'm just going to pray and then we'll get into it. Uh, dear God, I just, I thank you for, for giving me an opportunity to, to come in front of everybody and just teach them what you've been teaching me. And I pray that you would use me and my tongue and and my body language, just to communicate um, what, what, I need, what people need to hear. Um, I pray that everybody would have an open heart and an open mind to, to your word and what you have to say to them tonight. And without God, I love you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> Tonight's message is going to be pretty straightforward, but I hope by the end of it, you'll, you'll learn to know what we should be praying for, which is, which is what we're going to be focusing on and how you can do that in your life as a born-again believer in Christ. We'll mainly focus on verse 8, but before we get too far into the depths of that, uh, I want to take a look at verse 5 real quick. And verse 5 says that there is one mediator between God and man. Who is that one man? That's Jesus Christ. And something you need to know is that you, you have to have Jesus Christ living in you before the power of prayer can actually take a real true hold on your life because he's the one mediator, one mediator, and there is no other. That's, that's what the verse says. He's the only one. And if you aren't sure, or, or maybe even know for sure that you don't have Christ living in you, please just listen to what, to what God has to say to you through his word tonight, and God can and will speak to you. You just got to let him. So assuming that you are saved, and you do have Christ living in you, I first want to review what Tim talked about last week, and just kind of go over the foundation that he laid about what prayer actually is. Um, in its simplest terms, prayer is our conversation with God. When we pray, we are taking the time to meet with God and communicate with him. We talk to him just like we would anybody else. It's not a specific magic combination of words or something else similar that a lot of people want you to believe. Um, in fact, the Bible speaks against that idea in, in Matthew 6. And you don't have to memorize anything or repeat after me as some people want to do uh, in order to speak to the Lord or, or get saved. You just got to talk to him. Um, 
And Psalms 5, 1 through 4, is, is one of the verses that I think does a really good job of showing that prayer is just a personal conversation with the Lord. And you can turn there if you want. I, I think it'd be helpful. Um, it says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. Sometimes I think we can read a passage like this and, and just be really focused on what's happening historically, and, and obviously that historical application is, is still valid, it's still accurate, but sometimes we just ignore the practical application of that verse for our own lives. Uh, this verse in context is, is one of King David's Psalms about, about the, the Lord and how, and I want you to look at how personal he makes that psalm. It's, and, and a psalm is just his worship and praise to the Lord. David says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my king, my God. David makes it extremely personal. He uses my all the time. Like he says he's my king. That's very personal. Um, he knew that anytime he spoke to the Lord, that, that God was going to listen and he, he was going to respond too. And we see that God's going to respond in Jeremiah 33, 33, 2 through 3. It says, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. When you pray, you're not just speaking into an empty void or a God that's super far away and, and not close at all. God's present, and he's, he's extremely close as, as long as you're having a daily relationship with him and walking every day with him. Um, and he won't just ignore your prayers because he is close. Even if you just made the biggest screw-up of your entire life and you think he's never going to forgive you for it, he, he's still a good father and he still wants to talk to you. Um, so don't you forget that, well, also don't forget that, that God said he would never leave you nor forsake you in Hebrews 13. So that was just a little bit of review from last week. And, and now that we've been reminded that God is listening to us and wants us to speak to him all the time, we're going to go over what we should talk to him about. Why do we pray? Sorry. <laughs> um, while there are a million different reasons to pray, we obviously can't cover them all, so I'm, I'm just going to talk about a few of them. Um, and the first one I feel like we should always be praying about is, is the fact that we just have spiritual warfare in this world. And, and that's your first blanket. It's warfare. Um, Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Whether we like it or not, we're, we're living in a world right now that, that does have a spiritual battle going on, and it's all around us, and we have to be prepared to fight in that battle, whether we like it or not, because it involves everybody. And you've got to choose a side. You're either going to be on the right side or the wrong side, and you want to make sure you've got to pick that right side. Um, this chapter of Ephesians 6 is, is all about putting on the armor of God and being prepared to stand against the enemy, that's, that's Satan. But I think something that's, that's way too often overlooked is that once we put on that armor, which is the helmet of salvation, uh, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, we're not done preparing. Well, yes, we, we absolutely do still need to have that armor and put it on every morning, we don't just put it on and go out swinging our swords, our Bible, 
uh, willy-nilly and blindly at anything that moves. Uh, we, we still have to continue in prayer so that we know what we're doing with it. Um, and that, that continues throughout the day. Um, if we go out into battle without speaking to our commanding officer, we're not going to have any focus or vision for that day, and we're not going to know what to do or where to go. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Verse 18 gives us more of, of that vision that we have to have for that day. And it's obviously not super specific, but it does give us some direction. It says we need to pray always and not just for ourselves, but to pray for the perseverance for all the saints. We need to be pleading um, with the Lord to help our brothers and sisters in Christ with what they're struggling with and as well as what we're struggling with. I mean, after all, they are the same family and the same army as we are. We're fighting the same battle. We should be on the same side and we should want them to help us and not us to help them. Um, but there's another thing that I want to pay a, a little extra attention to in verse 12 of that same chapter, which is what we read a couple minutes ago. Um, does that verse say that, that we battle against our, our jerk boss because he's being a turd? Um, or, or how about that one really annoying relative that I know you all have who just seems to cause nothing but drama and you want nothing to do with? <laughs> no, it, it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against spiritual wickedness in high places. The rulers of the darkness of this world. That's the title for a movie there, The Rulers of the Darkness of This World. <laughs> All of the lost people in your life, your boss, your, your, your crazy relative, whoever it may be, um, they're flesh and blood just like you and I are, and they're, they're not the enemy. We, we need to remember, though, that they may still just be behind enemy lines and, and that can make it really easy to, to confuse them for the enemy because they are amongst them and sometimes they look like them. Um, we need to remember they might be prisoners of the world system. So addition to, in, in addition to praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ, like verse 18 just said, we also need to pray for a rescue mission for those people that are trapped behind the enemy lines. We need to pray for the lost. And that's, that's your next blank, is the lost. After all, <clears throat> this is what God sent his only son for. Luke 19.10 says that the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We need to get on our knees in prayer so that we can reach the lost people of this world because if we don't, then they're just destined for, for an eternity separated from God. And that sucks, but it's true. We have, the ability to we have the ability to directly ask God for an opportunity to share the good news, the gospel, that could save our friends, our family, our coworkers, or anyone for that matter. And half the time, we're just sitting there enjoying ourselves with the cares of this world, and, and that's, that sucks. That's stupid and selfish. And I'm not just speaking to you guys, I'm speaking to me too. I struggle with that as well. Um, we just need to be about our Father's business, and, and we need to pray for opportunities so that he can use us. And I think that that principle is, is pretty straightforward when you lay it out in Scripture. Um, about why we need to pray for the lost. So I just got a few verses for that about why we need to pray for them. Matthew nine thirty seven through 38 says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest 
that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. That harvest is talking about lost believers, or lost people who aren't believers, and there's not a lot of people working, but we gotta pray that, that we'll get more workers and more people to do that job. Um, Acts 26.18 says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Second Corinthians 4.4 4 says, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Those people are blind, and they need a light. Um, so now we're going to take a bit of a different direction and just take it to a more practical level about how we can fight that spiritual battle that we're in. And it's going to help us to aid in our strategy and in our understanding of, of what we need. And that's your, that's your next blank again is, is understanding. James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. Proverbs 2, 2 through 5 says, So that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding. If thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as, hid, as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. So I don't know about you guys, but at least in my life, um, that's one of the things that, that always seems to make me hesitate um, when the Lord puts an opportunity in front of me, especially when it's really obvious. Um, I'll, I'll often just think I don't have enough knowledge or enough understanding of Bible terminology uh, to be able to, to teach people. Um, and that's something that, that I really struggled with while preparing this message. I felt like I just couldn't figure it out. <laughs> and uh, I just had to remind myself, well, I had to study it and work you know, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman, he is not to be ashamed. So I had to remember that it was, it was work, and I just had to do it, but then I also had to remember that, that God is going to use me regardless of if it's any good or not. Um, while it's true, I have a lot to learn that doesn't exclude me from the mission that God has given to me specifically, especially when he literally promises to give me more wisdom, or you, if we just ask for it. Um, and if we do ask the Lord for that wisdom, um, we'll start to understand the fear of the Lord, and in, in doing so, we're going to start to follow after his plan for us, despite if we're, if we're qualified or not, or if we're prepared. And I, I don't remember who said it, but this phrase has always stuck out to me. It's always been something that, I mean, a lot of you have probably heard it, but the phrase is, uh, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. That always helps me whenever I feel like I'm too stupid <laughs> or, or not worthy or, or just like I, I shouldn't be doing this because I'm, a, I'm just a hypocrite sometimes. And I mean, we all are, and that's fine. Like, we all have sin. We're all still in our flesh. Um, but the Lord can still use us. So I know for some of you that phrase is, is something you might have heard your whole entire life. But, but for me, when I started to actually meditate on that, the Lord just put me in a headspace where I could I could really learn to trust him and to do what he, what he told me to, regardless of how uncomfortable it made me feel um, in that moment, especially like right now. <laughs> um, now this is another verse that I really like because it just shows that God can use anybody. And it's 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. <laughs> it says, For ye see your calling, brethren, 
how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. The base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence, but in, of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. God makes it super clear through that verse that, that he uses fools just like me and, and the base things of this world to do his mission so that when people look at that person or that group and they, they see what God's doing through them, the only way that they can answer how that person is like that is because of God. And, and this kind of leads me to my last point about why we should pray and where I think most Christians today fail and, and never even get over it so that the Lord can use them mightily. And that's that we need to battle our own flesh. So your blank is flesh. <clears throat> Matthew twenty six forty one says, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That seems pretty straightforward to me. Pray that we don't act on our temptation because we're stuck in this fleshy meat suit. <laughs> Romans 7, 8 through 30 says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, that's the fleshy meat suit, dwell is no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Now that's a mouthful, <laughs> but, but all it really is saying is that, that we're stuck in our bodies, these bodies of flesh, and because of that we're, we're going to sin, and even when we would rather not sin. The, in, the internal war with sin is, is going to be a part of, that, of the flesh until we either get our new bodies or, or we move on from this life. And if you aren't praying for God to give you strength in that battle, um, against the flesh, who do you think is going to win? I got a hint for you. It, it's probably not that spirit that you keep pushing aside so that you can go enjoy yourself and binge Netflix for three months at a time. <laughs> um, the more that you let your flesh win, the harder it's going to be to get back on track with the Holy Spirit. Because whichever one of those people you feed, whether it's your spirit or your flesh, Whichever one you feed more, that's the one that's gonna win. It's gonna be stronger. And so you need to feed your, your spirit through the word and in prayer, even if you don't know exactly what you need to pray for. If, if, if you need to get out of sin or just get out of the course of this world, God knows your heart, and as long as you approach him sincerely, he will help you. Yeah. Romans eight twenty six through 27 says, Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. That verse is telling us that the Holy Ghost will search our hearts and make a prayer for us even when we don't know what to say. And I, I just think that's awesome because most of the time I have a horrible time conveying my emotions and my thoughts into words. So, so for me, when I come to the Lord, I'm like, man, I just don't know what to say. The Lord's like, it's cool, man. I, I got you. I know what you mean. Um, and that's just amazing to me, that the spirit inside, that lives inside of us, is, is able to make that connection to God. And 
and communicate something that I can't even put into words, but that the Spirit knows I need. And that's a huge blessing. Um, and the reason that the Spirit can do that is because, like I talk about, talked about earlier a little bit, is that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us as born-again individuals. Um, 1 Corinthians sixteen nineteen says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? We have the Holy Ghost living inside of us because of Christ's payment through his death on the cross, and, and the least we could do is take our time seriously and, and use the time that we have to pray and talk to the one who actually adopted us into his family. I'm sure that's what any physical person who adopts the kid into their family, they want to talk to them, they want to have a relationship. Um, and if you haven't or you don't know what it means to be a part of that family, just, just listen to these next few verses. Um, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you think you aren't good enough for the Lord to accept you, you'd actually be right because none of us are. We all fall short. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And because we all fall short, we've earned death, and not just a physical one, but we've earned a spiritual one too. But God gave us a gift in the form of his only son, Jesus Christ, bearing our sin and shame on the cross. Ephesians 8, 9 through 10 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you don't have to do anything physical, any physical work to receive that gift. So how do you get it exactly? That's where Romans 10, 9 and 10 is. It says if that, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's a two-part thing. You've got to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus that you believe that he was buried, he died, and rose again on the third day. And you also have to actually believe that in your heart. So if you do those two things, man, you just call to the Lord and he'll save you. Um, so I want to reread that first verse that we had because it, kind, it gives us a charge, and that's 1 Timothy 2.8. Um, and that charge is, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. We need to pray everywhere, all the time and without doubting, and without wrath. So with that, um, I'm gonna pray, and then Corey will come up, and he'll tell us what we're gonna do. Um, dear God, I just thank you for, for giving us all the opportunity to, to read your word and listen to it and, and just love it, and I pray that you would um, bless our discussion tonight as we break up into groups, and you would lead it as it needs to be led. And I pray if anybody feels like you're talking to them and that they would just speak out, that they might be able to grow closer to you or, or get saved if they're not saved. And that, That's the ultimate prayer is that every one of the people in this room would end up saved by the end of the night. Um, God, I love you. It's your name I pray. Amen.